0: You've said this before. We're not, um, we're not normal. <laughs> of course, we didn't want normal, so that works out. We wanted, we didn't want the world's normal. We wanted God's normal, and um, we've become convinced that the things of God are so much higher than what has been being experienced on average. And we don't want man to say, "Hey, well done, good." We want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that means that we get on his plan and not our plan. And when we understand that he is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that we can ask or think, you start to understand that even when my imagination reaches out there and thinks it touches God, it's just scratching the surface of who he is. And he's so far beyond that. And you start to realize... And when Jesus makes statements like, you'll do these things and greater, right? You start to realize that there was more meant to this than what we've been seeing. He wants to be real. He wants to be genuine. In First John uh, chapter 1, the first four verses, John, you know, it was interesting about John He was the one in the gospel of John. He kept talking about the disciple who Jesus loved, you know, and uh, he was like, Peter was talking to the disciple who Jesus loved. You know, everybody loved that. And uh, he was like talking about himself. He loves me. He loves me. John had a revelation of his love. He'd be like, uh, he'd be like, hey, Peter, what's up? Did you know that he loves me? You know, that's basically what he was saying the whole time. You know, he was like, hey, did you know that? But see, he had a revelation of it. It might have irritated people, but he's the one they couldn't kill. He's the apostle they couldn't kill because of a revelation of that love. So this, this apostle that had a revelation, you know, he's the one who was leaning on Jesus. He was like, Jesus, I need more of you. He's the one that, you know, disciple that Jesus loved was laying on his bosom. You know, he was there. He's like, Jesus, I need, I need more of who you are. I need more of who you are. We need to be like that, and we need to be, have some intimacy with Christ to the point where we know him, he knows us, we're abiding in him, he's abiding in us. And when we start getting to that place, we'll start to have some things happen like what John had happened. But I love in First John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, he talks like this, and I'll just paraphrase it, but basically goes, I, I well, I tell you what, we'll just go there. Because I put a mark around each one of these. I want you to pay attention to how many times he says this. He says something that is a physical manifestation. Like he saw it. He heard it. He experienced it. In other words, it wasn't just a theory to John. It wasn't just an idea. It manifested. And look at what he says. He says, 1 John 1 verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have heard, and what we have seen, right? With our eyes, what we have looked at, and what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, concerning Jesus. So right here in this very first verse, you've got four different times... Uh, where he said, we experienced Jesus. This was not some you know, theological theory. This was not some religious in the sweet by and by. He was saying, we were there. We saw it. We heard it. We touched it, right? We, we were there. It manifested who God was. Jesus manifested in our lives. That's what that's saying. And then he says this, and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life in other words not just life in theory we've seen it we experienced the the healing we experience the demons being cast out we experience the dead coming back to life we experience the manifestation of the life of god We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Amen. Manifested means it, it comes uh, uh, just a loose, it comes into our hands. It comes into our hands. In other words, it's not in the spirit, it's in the physical. In other words, the life that was in the spirit manifested in the physical and they saw it and they heard it and they touched it. They experienced the life of God. Then in verse 3 it says, what we have seen and heard. He's like on the theme here, right? He's like one of those, you know, a record player that's got the, the it's just repeating. What we've seen and heard and seen and heard and seen and heard and manifest and seen and heard and manifest. Seen and heard. He's First four verses, it's all about it. And look where he's going. What we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Why are they proclaiming? We proclaim to you also. So that you too. Say, me too may have fellowship with us. What he's saying right there is we're telling you about everything where Jesus was very real to us so that Jesus may now be very real to you. That you may see and hear and have the manifestation of. That you may see and hear and have the manifestation of. Not be some theory, not be I heard somebody say, but be in your life, in your life, what you have seen and heard. That you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Now you have to understand that that John was penning this, but the Holy Spirit was writing it. John put his pen to it, but the Holy Spirit... Wrote this, and we know that all Scripture is inspired by him, right? And it's there to help uh, make us profitable, to bring a profit, a benefit to our lives. And so, the benefit that the Holy Spirit sees fit to put out there in this in this Scripture is that John said we saw it. We heard it, it manifested. We saw it, we heard it, we manifest it. And now we proclaim it to you so that you can see it and hear it and have it manifest in your, in your life. What does he want to bring about? What he said. The eternal life of God. The eternal life of God. I don't know if we're going to get to those. So, the eternal life of God. The eternal life of God. The eternal life. He wants to bring life. Well, what does that mean? Does that just mean that you live in the flesh? No, it doesn't mean that you live in the flesh. Wouldn't it be nice if God just like defined to us what eternal life is? I mean, what is eternal life? Anybody have a short definition for it? You might not want to answer. Life here and forever. Life here and forever? with God but what does that mean and here's the question if you accept Jesus are you now in eternal life so a lot of times in other words when does eternity begin when does this life begin well the first thing to see is let, let's look at a little bit of the life just in John 1010 10. anybody watching on Facebook the title is wrong You were looking for from lack to abundance. That will be to to be continued next week. Maybe. This morning we're talking about the eternal life of God. John 10, 10. (laughs) The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In the Amplified, can you put John 10.10 in the Amplified up there quickly, please? In the Amplified, it says that you may have life to the full till it overflows. There you go. Amen. That you may have and enjoy life. So before we even describe eternal life, I want you to see some of the characteristics about that life. Jesus says it like this. He says, look, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. He he gives a job description of the devil and a job description of himself right there. It's really simple. And and pretty much if it lands in, you know, if it lands in stealing, killing, destruction, that's bad. (laughs) And if it has to do with life and life overflow, that's good. Yes. All right. Stealing, killing, destruction. that Life and life in abundance. Good. Y'all are, y'all are amazing. <laughs> y'all are theologians. I mean, you know, do you know how many preachers don't know that? Because they make, ex- they make excuses for stealing, killing, destruction like God was up to it. And Jesus himself said, I ain't up to that. Yeah. I'm not up to it. And they've messed up all kinds of theology. And that's a big reason why we're not seeing the overflowing life of God, because people have made excuses for their own shortcomings. And we've got to stop doing that. Not just preachers, but all of us. We've got to say, okay, look, it let God be true and every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man be a liar. In other words, if I find something and his word is not true and it did not come to pass, it's still not God who missed it. That, if there's a weak link in the equation between me and God, it's us, right? It ain't God. It's not God who's missing it. It's not God whose word is not true. It might be us who have not understood him or his word or how it applies. It might be us who hadn't dug in the word like a good Berean and learned who he is or what to do. You know, we might have not learned yet that abundance is actually of God. It's not It's not just for the people of the world. He actually wants us to have abundance for every good work. Just like his word says. But see, if we can't understand that, then how in the world is he going to get his goodness and his abundance to us? So if, if they're still in killing and destruction going on, that's in the devil's yeah. wheelhouse. But if there's life and there's life to the full till it overflows, that's in, that's in Jesus'. And if it's in Jesus', that's in the Father's. And that's what the Holy Ghost manifests in our lives. Yeah. He's here to help us bring that life to us. He's here to take that life and fill us up and overflow us. Because we need to be walking in such an overflow of life that when we just come in contact with somebody, there's an overflow. There's an overflow of that life. That's the, per- that's the design of evangelism. That we walk so lit up with the fire and the light of God. So filled up with his life that it just spills all over the world. And now the world starts to look like heaven on earth. That's it. That's the design. So anytime you see in the scriptures about life, these are his thoughts towards life. I I want you to have and enjoy it. I want you to have and enjoy it. And I want you to have it to the full till it overflows. So when he says life, anytime you see the word live or life. You need to understand that's his thoughts toward it. It's been it the whole time, Psalm 23. I want to fill your cup just to the full. No, I want to fill it up and overflow it. And that's like even in Psalm 23 when he says, I want to prepare a feast before you. Well, you know, just think about that. He could have said, I want to prepare a meal in the the midst of your enemy. He didn't say meal. He said feast. Right. I mean, I got my ideas about feast. And it's not one meal. It's like too much to eat. It's like, you know, potluck dinner. Everybody brings your own on steroids. That's what I think about when I hear feast. Just when he says that, but even if he didn't use the word feast, even if he said, I want to prepare a meal in the presence, you got to understand that a part of that meal is the life of God manifesting that you will see and hear and it will manifest in your life. And that means he wants to overflow it in your life. He wants to overflow it. This is what he's looking for. He's looking to overflow the life of God. He wants to overflow that life. So that's the first thing that we really need to get in our heads is that he wants that eternal life. And he wants it full till it, till it overflows in us. Stealing, killing, destroying? Devil. Bad. Life and life to the full. Jesus. Good. Right? Some people, and I'll just say this, some people, and I can, I can answer questions about this later, but some people really can... They're confused between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's like the Lord looks one way. Some people say he looks one way in the Old Testament. Jesus looks different in the New Testament. Just go to Hebrews 1.3 and it says this about Jesus. It says that Jesus was the exact representation and nature of the Father. In other words, Jesus was the complete picture. You saw a piece of God in the Old Testament and it was true. But you see the completion in Jesus. It's a complete picture. He wants to bring life. You see, people's idea of the life of God in the Old Testament is when they bring the adulterous woman to Him. The adulterous woman with God of the Old Testament in their thoughts, she's dead. But see, Jesus never did anything but what he saw the Father do. He never said anything but what he heard the Father say. And did that woman walk away alive or dead? She walked away alive and encouraged and strengthened to go and sin no more. And Jesus was the exact representation and nature of the Father. So you see the Father's heart in what happened right there. He said, look, I don't care where you've come from. It doesn't mean that everything we do makes him happy. It does not. But everything that we do is already covered under what Jesus did. We just need to take what we do, hand it to him and let him clean us and then empower us to go and live the way that he wants us to live. He's looking to get life to us, not looking to get death to us. If if he was looking to get death to us, Jesus would have never come. He's not. He's looking to get life to the full till it overflows. You notice in there, in in the uh, Amplified, it said this. But I have come that you might have. That means you need to possess life. You need to possess life. But also to enjoy it. Enjoy it. What does enjoying life look like? If you defined it by the majority of churches on Sunday morning, nobody would want it. Right. Come on. That's the truth. truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. truth. Because it's like. (laughs) You know, there's nothing there. There's no overflow. There's no. It's. Like, you know, I've been laughing about this, but the joy of the Lord is so necessary in our lives and and we are like the least joyful people on the earth sometimes. Christians are. And then we wonder why the world doesn't want to come in here by the thousands. You know? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the bitterness of the Lord. No. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the, the silence of God. No, the joy of the Lord. What does it look like? The joy produces a smile on our face. It produces something in us. There's something that's life and life overflowing in us. There's a joy. And and what that means is I might be in the midst of a storm, but I still have joy because I know who my God is and I know what he's going to do. Look at this over in uh, Romans chapter 15. And we're just kind of looking at some pieces of life. Romans 15, 13. And look at who is this God that we're serving? It says, now may the God of hope. And we've talked about this just real quickly, but hope is not love. Most of the time when people use the word hope today, they're like, well, I hope you get to feeling better. And what they mean by that is, well, it could fall one way or the other. I hope it falls your way. And that's what they say. That's what they mean by this. It. Look, it's one way or the other. But that's not what hope in the Bible means. Hope is the joyful, confident expectation. In other words, if I'm in hope, I will have joy produced in me. These will happen every now and then. Enjoy. It's amazing. They will actually produce. They will manifest. Remember what John said. We've seen and heard and manifest the life of God. And the life of God is to enjoy life. So believe it or not, when you actually start stepping into the life of God, one of these is going to happen every now and then. You might even get one of these. (laughs) (laughs) You might even get one of those. I know it's shocking, and I know you're not used to it from Sunday morning on 11 to 12 o'clock, but we'll be past 12 in a minute. As soon as we get to 12 and 1, you can laugh, okay? It'll be good. We'll be past that that religious hour. You can do it anyway, but joy will start to pop out of you. You know what joy is a manifestation of? Hope. Joyful Confident expectation. In other words, oh that's not gonna happen. Oh yes it is. Because you're confident about it. You know. You know that you know it's gonna happen. I have an expectation of it. It's about to happen. The power see, when I when I spoke earlier, you were at the beginnings of something that's amazing this morning. I have an expectation because God has given me a hope towards what he's about to do in this place and in this city and in this region. He's spoken words about it. And I don't just, I don't just think it. It's not just a good idea. I, I know it here. I know it. And I have a hope about it. It makes me smile what he's doing and what he's about to do even more. I have a confidence in it. You can't talk me out of it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. I've jumped in the pool and I'm soaked all over in the hope of God that he's about to do something in this place and in this region. You're not going to. I'm confident about it. And I have an expectation of it. And now my faith joins with that and faith lifts up that promise, that hope of God. And that is what now can manifest. As you you can join with me if you want to. I mean, it's awesome. But it brings about a smile. When I just think about it, I start smiling about it. I start praising God for it. God says this, he says, now may the God of joy, the God of confidence, the God of expectation, that is the God of hope. That's who he is. That's his character and nature. Do you realize when I walk around in bitterness, I'm not walking around in God? Well, I'm, you know, I'm holy. I can't allow myself to be seen as unholy. Holy, smiling and laughing, that's silliness. And what they're saying is, I can't let God be God in me. Because God is a God of joy. It says, he sits on the throne and laughs. He laughs at the devil. Psalms 126, we were like those who dreamed. And our mouth was filled with laughter, the joy of the Lord. And where does that joy come from? It comes from the hope of God. Lord, I know you to be true. And no matter what I'm seeing right now, no matter what it looks like, you are more than that. Glory to God. You are more than enough in my life. You are the El Shaddai. You are my everything. And I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to see you. And even if I run into what looks like a pitfall, what looks like a speed bump, what looks like a hurdle, we're just going to go through it somehow, some way. I don't know how. I don't have to know how. I just have to know you. I have to know your character. I have to know your nature. And that's going to happen in me, in you. It's going to happen in us. It's going to happen. See, when you know him like that, you can walk with confidence towards those things. And it's like people will then go over to the other scripture that talks about hope. And it says that they'll start asking you questions of why you're so hopeful. And you'll have to give an account for the hope that is within you. It's part of God's evangelism. It's the fullness of life. But I want to show you what life is. You know, when you think about life, it's to the fullest till it overflows. It's to have and enjoy it. To see it manifested. Not just talk about it. And definitely not push it off to a sweet time in the sweet by and by. You are in eternal life now. The minute you receive Jesus, eternity starts for you. The eternal life starts at that second. So right, as soon as you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I have you, I trust you, you're the director of my life, I believe that you died for me, I believe, Lord, that God brought you back to life and when he raised you up, he raised me up and he seated me in heavenly places with you. I'm seated in heavenly places with you, raised up with all things under my feet. At that moment, you enter into some life of God. But the question is, do you know it? Is it real to you? And do you walk it out? Most people have that experience and then they're taught, oh, don't do that. This is not the place. Let's be like God, but not that part. <laughs> but not that part. Come on, man. I notice that the people of God that are doing things, they're passionate. Yeah. They are passionate about the thing. You watch it. You watch the testimonies of great people of God. They are passionate. And they're passionate about God. And he wants life to be seen and heard in us. But he wants it not just to be seen and heard. He wants it to be seen and heard and overflowing. And part of that life is a joy of the Lord and a hope of God. And he defines himself as this, the God of hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will will abound. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. This is the life of God. How many people need peace? All of us. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You realize you're not going to be what you're called to be without the Holy Spirit getting involved in you. You are not going to be who God's called you to be without the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. It's just not going to happen. Guess what that means? If I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, I've got to give up myself, let him get outside the frame of what I think is comfortable and what I know. He's got to get outside the box of my thoughts and get outside of that. Stretch me out of my comfort zones and move me to a place because that's the only place where the hope of God, the life of God, the joy of God and the peace of God is going to work. But a lot of times, and this is why you don't have preaching like this a whole lot in But it's starting. I mean, the Lord's opening up some people right now. I mean, he is drawing his body into a place that he's saying, come up higher, come up higher. That's what you're getting. So a lot of times, though, people are like, nope, this is my box. This is what I know. This is my comfort zone. You you ain't coming in here, God. This is what I'm comfortable with. I'm all Look, I will. I'm I'm standing up in worship now. I used to sit down during worship. Now I'm standing up. I ain't raising my hand. Mm -mm, No, because it's in that box. And so all of a sudden what happens is if you get to a place where they just kind of put their foot down on their box. Well, now they want to find scripture as to why it's not God anymore. And that's how wrong theology comes into the church. And that's how people start stepping away. Because if you you kind of stalemate yourself, you get stale in your walk with God. You don't stay stale. My dad is here today today. Hey, see, amen. I'm pretty happy that he he's in this world. Uh, I wouldn't be here if you wouldn't. So that's really good. I appreciate that. One of the things he used to always tell me in business was this. He'd say, he said, look, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. If you're not going forward, you are going backwards, whether you realize it or not. And it's the same way in our walk with God. If we are lukewarm in our walk with God, you are going backwards. You need to get on fire with God. That means you've got to allow God to take you outside of your comfort zone, outside of what you know. He exists out, believe it, newsflash. God exists outside of what you know. This is the truth. He exists outside of what you know. And that means that he exists outside of your comfort zone. Because what you know is what you're comfortable with. And so when all of a sudden he starts drawing you because does he love you? He says, those that I love, I discipline, right? Well, if he disciplines, that means he disciples. Come here, David. So if David is standing right here and he represents man, he may be even, he might even be a good man. Amen. I'm so glad he might be a good Christian to the world. He might be a superior Christian, right? But I can promise you this, even if he's the best Christian on this earth and God is over here because he ain't God yet. God's going to start to put a draw on his heart and start to pull him to himself. Hold. God's going to be like, I'm over here come up higher. Come up. He's going to start to discipline and disciple him to come to where God is. And at that moment, go back now. At that moment, see, he's not standing here because he was thinking he was doing wrong. He's standing here because he's at the limit of what he knows. Well, everything he's learned so far has taken him to this place. But he's still not at God. But God loves him. And so God says, keep coming, keep coming. So he will draw him over the line of what I know. And then he'll draw another line. And he'll draw him over that line of what he knows. And he constantly is going to disciple you to discipline yourself to the places of God. But see, if we're not willing to step over that line of what we know, we will stalemate in our approach to God and that means you've got a bunch of Christians not getting closer to God they're actually going backwards and now they start to make excuses for why it doesn't work like that and that's why life is not overflowing in the body of Christ right now thank you the Lord wants us to overflow and abound in the life of God it's a reality. It's his character. It's his nature. And we've got to be so willing to step out of that comfort zone, step across that line, say, Lord, I'm yours. And we have to understand that God will not allow himself to be counterfeit when you are seeking him with all your heart. Plenty of people find the devil's counterfeits when they're not going after God. But if we will turn towards God, he says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, would a father whose son asked him for an egg give him a scorpion? You know, would he give him something else? No. If he asked for a loaf of bread, would he give him a stone? No. I, in the same way, I will give you the Holy Spirit. When you ask, see, when we go after God in Jeremiah 24 and then again in 29, it says this 24, 7, 29, 11 through 14. It says, when you seek after God with all your heart, he says, I will be found of you. You will find me. He makes a promise to you. But the question is, does he have our whole heart? Most of the time we get in our our box and we're like, I don't really want to cross that line anyway because it's uncomfortable over there. And so our whole heart, our heart is biased and we don't, we aren't really looking for God. And then we're wondering, God, where are you? And God's like, I've been here the whole time, but you're not going to hear me. The word talks about not being able to hear because of the condition of our heart. But as soon as we say, Lord, I'm yours, I want you, you can tell me, go left, go right. I might want to go right, but I don't care. I know you know the best. You love me. I trust you. What do you want me to do? And then he can, tell, he can talk to you. And he will not be counterfeit in that situation because of his character and his nature. God wants us to get into the place of life, the place of joy, the place of peace. Not only that, but go to John 3.16. Anybody ever seen this verse? I know it just, it's amazing. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, eternal life. Then verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The whole point of life is to bring you to the place of salvation, to the place of saving, and see, the biggest part of salvation is, yes, that we reconnect with God and that we you know, don't have to spend eternity in hell. That's a pretty good benefit. Amen. Amen. Crazy. But you have to understand that it's not just to save you from hell and it's not just to put you in heaven. It's to get his nature on you. Yeah. Life is getting his nature on you, which is why he said, pray this way. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth the way that it is in heaven. In other words, heaven is the place where your nature is manifest. Now let your nature be made manifest on the earth. He says, I am a savior. My job as a savior is to save you. What this is? This is it. What do you need saving from? And after you're born again and you're reconnected with God, you're saved from sin and death and hell and the grave. And you're connected to the Father and you're going to be with Him for eternity. His saving nature doesn't stop at that moment. His nature is still to save you. And at that moment, He says, what do you need saving from? Well, I could really use some help in my finances. Done. Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It is the Lord God that gives you the power to get wealth, to confirm his covenant. He, he makes you rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Well, I could really could use some health in my body. Done. Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. By his stripes, we were healed. He sent his word and healed them. Every sickness and disease is under this curse. In Galatians 3.13, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. We have no part with the curse anymore. Healing, done. On that cross, he bore our sins and our sicknesses. Well, I need, I need some protection. Awesome. Psalm 91. He he says, look, you will have no evil befall you. Nothing will come near your dwelling. John 17, Jesus prayed and he says, Lord, I I I don't ask you to take them out of this world, but keep them from the evil one. You're a kept people. You are protected. And it's all in the saving nature of the life of Jesus Christ. And he took some of his life, some of his character and his nature and said, here, have some of me. Now have some more and have some more. And have some more and let it fill you up so much that you're, all of your issues, the positive pressure of my life pushes back all the stealing and killing and destruction that the devil can throw at you. Not only that, but it'll overflow into the people around you and it'll start to push back the stuff in in them too. And they can walk. And so heaven's manifestations can be here. And John says, look, we saw this. We heard this. We we saw it and we lived it. it we experienced it. And we Proclaim it to you so that your joy can be just as full as ours is. Yes. We saw it. We lived it. You continue on. The saving nature of God is to restore you. Had a word earlier, earlier that said God wants to restore the souls. If you've got trouble that's been happening in your mi- in your mind, You've had trouble like I've been just fighting with something. Today he wants to restore. Why does he want to do that? Because life in God is a restore. He is a restore. It's who he is. It's part of his nature, his character. He wants to save you from that torment that's been trying. Or maybe just that lack of peace. He wants you to have all peace in believing like that scripture that we read a while ago. He wants to deliver you. Saving is basically, you'll find no problem is, is kept out of this list. He wants to save you, heal you, prosper you, deliver you, and restore you. He wants to make you whole and save you from whatever. That's his character and his nature. And that's what he paid for you to have. Eternal life is the life in the full till it overflows. And it just keeps on going and keeps on going and keeps on going from now throughout eternity. And it's all there because of John seventeen three. When Jesus paid for it, he said, look, let me tell you what eternal life is. Come here, April. Holy Spirit wants to help right now. Yeah, Lord, healing, restoration, be now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Restoration happen now in the name of Jesus. Glory. Yeah, you feel that? Amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Life and life to the full till it overflows. Be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. He says this, eternal life. This is eternal life. That they may know you. This is Jesus talking. This is the eternal life. That they may know you. Talking about the Father. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This word know here, it means intimate. It means he wants to connect with you. It means he wants to have an intimate fellowship with you. One of the things that you have to understand about the relationship with God. Here's where most Christians are walking with God. They're not walking out eternal life. They're walking in a relationship, but not a fellowship. And it's awesome that my dad's here today on my birth certificate. It says relationship father, and then has his name on my birth certificate. Relationship father. But just because he's my father and just because that's our relationship, that doesn't mean that we hang out together. It doesn't mean that. And that's the way most Christians have been. they said, hey, he's my God. He's my father. But they haven't been hanging out with him. And because they haven't been hanging out with him, they don't get his character and nature on their lives. And the full and overflow, they're not close enough with him for the full to overflow onto them. When Nicole and I first started dating, I remember, you know, the first, uh, I think it was our very first date. It was very close to the first date, but I remember she came over. We were watching a movie at the house, and then she got up and and left and went home. And uh, that night I came back after I walked her out to the car. I came back, and I sat on the couch, and I just sat down heavy in the couch right and all of a sudden out of the pillow uh, she had been wearing some kind of perfume out of that pillow came that fragrance of her perfume right why because she had been sitting there she had been in close fellowship with that couch she had been sitting there and what she had on the character and the nature and the essence of what she had on her had gotten into that couch and when I smelled it I was just like my baby, right? That's that's the way I felt. And I remember sitting there and just a smile coming across. But see, what's happened is we've not been in a close fellowship with the Father. And so his saving nature and his life, the healing, the abundance, the the protecting, the restoration, the deliverance, it hasn't gotten on us. And then we get around other people and we'll be like, oh yeah, God's my Father. And they're like, you don't smell like it. You don't smell like it. Come on. But when we start to hang out with him, we start to learn his ways. We start to learn who he is. We get around him. His essence gets on us. And all of a sudden, we start to smell like him. We start to walk like him. We start to look more like him. We start that life and life overflowing. The joy of the Lord. The peace of God that comes in believing. The hope of God and the faith of God. It starts to fill us. The less we walk away from Him, it kind of depletes. But the more we stay in Him, locked in with Him, arm in arm. All of a sudden, His nature, His character gets on us. And it fills us. And it fills us. And it fills us. And it overflows. It's what the world needs. It's what your life needs. It's what your family needs. It's what your kids need. It's what your, it's what your business needs. A lot of times there's not a prosperity in our businesses and in our work. Because it's not, there's not a prosperity on us. We've not been hanging out enough with him to allow his overflowing nature into our business, into our healing. We're designed to have fellowship with the Father. Jesus gave the example of it. He said, he's in me and I'm in him and you need to abide in me. And if you abide in me, you abide in him. He says, you need to follow this example. We're designed to fellowship. God said, I want to make people in my image so that they can come and go in the presence of God. And there's a scripture that talks about where Jesus is stepping into and out of the bosom of God. He goes into and out of the bosom of God. It's like he goes in and he just stays charged up all the time. And that's what we do with God. Except he's given us the ability by his Holy Spirit where we don't really have to come out. We can just walk with the Holy Spirit. We just follow the presence of God and we stay in Him. And all of a sudden, His nature gets on us. His glory gets on us. The Holy Spirit and the power gets on us. And now we are carriers of it. We were designed to carry His nature. That's why He made us in His likeness and His image, so that we could carry that nature of God. And be who the world wanted us to be. Be who God created the world to receive us as. The word says in Romans 8, it says that this world is longing. It's groaning for the manifestations of the children of God. John said, we've seen, we've heard, we've proclaimed. It's been manifested to us. And I'm telling you this. So that you can experience the same. Amen. That you can experience the manifestation. So that you can walk in the presence and the, the glory of God. So that you can walk in it like we did. So that our fellowship will be the same. And that your, our joy then will be full. One of the happiest joys of my life as a pastor is starting to see this stuff get off in other people. And they start to grab a hold of it and make it theirs. And they start to say, I want that. I want it. And right now, if you want that, and whatever it is you might be facing, you want that, come up here. If you're saying, I want to walk in the presence of God. I want to walk in his glory. I need some saving right now. I need saving in my finances. I need saving in my body. I need, I need restoration. I need deliverance. I need whatever, I I need the character and nature of God to manifest. I want to see and hear like John did. I want to see and hear. I don't want to just talk about it all my life. I don't want to get up there and, and, and God basically say, oh, that was a really good yard you kept. Way to worship it. But it wasn't well done to me. It's coming in this morning. There was people out in their yard. Eight o'clock. Worshipping their yard. I mean it was clean. It looked awesome. But where's our fellowship? Where's our fellowship? Where's life and life overflowing? This is something you want to know about the life of God. This is something the Lord just spoke to me this week. He says, if you continue in my word then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A lot of people will just say this. They'll say that the truth will set you free. But that's not what it says. The truth will set you free is the end of a point. The beginning of the point is you continue in my word. In other words, you do what you're called to do. You do it. You become a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And the Lord says this, if you want to define life, you can define it by his truth. And he says this, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You want to figure out the difference between what is truth and what is fact, what is of God and what isn't. We've often said it like this, a doctor's report, good or bad, may be a fact. But the truth is you're healed and you're made whole by the stripes of Jesus. That's the truth. You want to define, you want to define, let's do this, let's just make two rows. Let's make two rows. Make it easy on everybody. Just kinda. That was awesome. <laughs> everybody was so humble. They're like, I'll be on the back row. That was great. That was good. Just make two rows. Somebody help. There you go. All right, let's pull that on the inside. So. There you go. He says, if you continue in my truth, then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you want to know the definition of life... And you want to know the definition of truth, it's this. The truth will make you free. If there's a statement, if there's a report, and it is not bringing freedom to your life, it's not the truth. Amen. So all of a sudden, you can look at it. Well, God sometimes heals. There's no freedom in that. That's not true. See how easy it is once you... See, you just trust the nature of God. Well, he wants me to be, you know, he wants me to be poor. There's no freedom in being poor. He came to set the cat free. He, he came, there's no freedom in that. It's not true. His life is in the freedom. His life is in the truth. So you can just ask that question. Does that bring freedom? Does that set me free? And then you'll know what the truth is. I just want you to pray right now. Just say, Father, everybody pray whether you're up here or not. Just say, Father, right now, I want to be a carrier of your nature. I want to fellowship with you like I've never done before. On a level that's hard for me to imagine. I want to live eternal life. And stop making, for it. stop making excuses for it. I want to be on fire with you. I, I ask for your help. Jesus, Jesus. you're my Lord. You're, my Lord. You're, the my you're the director of my life. You call the shots. Call the shots and I'm obedient. And I believe that you love me so much. You died for me. You died for me. And, when you died, and when you died, you took all my sins. All my, mess, all my mess, all my junk, all my junk with, you into that grave. with you into that grave. And that old man, and that old man has, now died. has now died. I'm not that person. I'm not that person. Your word says, Your word says I'm, the I'm, I'm, the I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the new me. The new, new, thing. things come, new things have and come, and I'm, it out now. and I'm living it out now. And when He raised you up from the dead, he raised, me too. he raised me too. And when He seated you, when the Father seated you, when the Father seated you in heavenly places, in heavenly places according, to your word, according to your word, He seated me with you. And all things are under your feet. And I'm a part of the body. Therefore, all things are under my feet. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Overflowing. Overflowing. Baptize, me in your presence. Baptize me in your presence. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. To be your, be your witnesses. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Father Amen. I just thank you.